justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. No man can give anybody his freedom. Man is born free. You may enslave a man after he is born free. You always told me it takes time. How much time do you want for your progress? We have to go to the root. We have to go to the cause. Dealing with the condition itself is not enough. Hello. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Beyond Black, the journey to active allyship. Uh, thank you for joining me for this first episode. And when I say first episode, I mean this first episode to be released, however, re-record of the first episode, re-recording of the first episode, because in my own experiences in life and uh, through my journey as a podcaster, I realized that I needed to make the goal and intention of this podcast way, way clearer right at the top. Um, I really wanted to emphasize what active allyship is right at the top because like I said, I've had uh, experiences that came up because of this podcast way sooner than I thought that made me reflect, that allowed me, to, gave me the opportunity to reflect on what that actually means. And uh, I guess I wanted to be more, I thought, you know, with the flow of uh, the narrative, things would come up organically. However, realize that that's just not going to work for me. Um, you know, I have more energy. I'm more charged than that. And I really, I'd like the listeners to be as well. And um, so in, in uh, honor of transparency, I'm going to lead with that. And hopefully by the end of this episode, y'all will be charged too and ready to dig in with me. Um, so I guess before we, before we dig into the active allyship portion, perhaps I will start with introducing who I am. Myself, your host, Emma Dilemma. Just kidding. Don't call me that. Um, my name is Emma, though. You, you can call me that. Refer to me as Emma. Um, <laughs> so I am Emma, a biracial Black woman. So my experience is that of a biracial Black woman. So I have some unique perspectives to bring well, everyone has unique perspectives to bring to the to the table. Every we we in the BIPOC community are not a monolith. It's just it's not a blanket experience across the board to begin with. However, uh, my perspective is going to be different than that of a monoracial Black woman, and uh, so I have that 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 yeah, I am I'm, I'm biracial. So right there, my mom. She a whitey, and uh, she met my dad, and uh, they had children, and uh, that was a challenge at the time because racism 
<laughs> yeah, as you can, as you, I'm sure you can imagine, uh, interracial relationships still are a challenge in present day. Um, and they were a hella challenge back in the, I don't know when they met. However, I was born in the 90s. So they, it was definitely a challenge then. And um, ultimately, racism played a huge, huge part in their, the separation of that relationship. So that played a part in my journey growing up. Um, and, you know, that's hard. So yeah, racism, I will say, has been a part of my life. Still is. Uh, I've lived it. I've witnessed it. I don't like it and I spend a lot of my time and energy working towards ending it, hence this podcast. Man, I am being awkward today. I, I apologize, listeners. I hope there are many of you at this point on the first episode. <laughs> However, awkward is my brand, so I hope you dig it. Um, I guess the next point in my journey in life after racism at birth is my awakening, I like to call it. I think, or the awakening. I think, not I think, because I was always, uh, unfortunately, I became aware of racism very, very, very young. I, I, I can't put an age to it, however, when, whenever I can, as far back as I can, my earliest memory, whenever that was, that's when I was aware of racism. Not necessarily that I could put a label to it. However, I knew I was different than the other kids. And I knew I was being treated differently. And eventually I was able to put a word to it. Um, which makes me really sad to think of poor little baby Emma. However, that is the reality. And um, I think the, or I like to say that everyone has an awakening, some event or something that triggers a moment, like triggers them to say, that's it. I've had enough of this. Like I see the world for what it is and I'm over it. I don't like, yeah, an awakening. Like you, you really see you really see the duality that there is there is a different set of rules a whole other operating system for whiteness and for me and I in a way I mean, I guess I kind of saw it as a kid. Was I fully aware? I didn't have the full tools, the cognitive ability to rationalize it or to fully digest it and process it to the fullest extent um, when I was young. And then my parents were divorced and I didn't see my dad as often. Um, however, uh, for me, the moment where it really, it clicked in my, I want to say adult brain, uh, for me, that moment was Michael Brown, um, and then the Ferguson riots and 
just watching that and seeing the footage and then seeing, and I, you know, I was in university at the time and I was like, "Mm, I don't want to be biased by one side or the other. So I'm going to watch sources and videos and read articles from both sides of the argument and see and form as in get an unbiased opinion. And one, I was kind of being obnoxious about it. Two, no matter what I read from every source I could find, at the end of the day, I kept coming back to it. And I was like, with the footage they had that you could watch and everything and the information available, I just kept, I was like, I don't understand how you can form any other opinion than the police were in the wrong. Um, and that's that, that was my awakening. Uh, and then I was involved in a motor vehicle accident and had my own encounter with uh, some officers and um, my own personal journey and my experiences will unfold in later podcast episodes. So I won't dwell on that. However, I've, my perception of the police has changed over time and I've had my own traumas that have uh, formed me. But I will skip ahead to more recent events that led to this podcast, like the pandemic and George Floyd, which I feel like um, anyone listening to this will remember. Um, and in uh, this, this seems like a weird thing to say. However, in many ways, I feel kind of grateful that this pandemic happened because it's, it's, it forced everyone to see. Everyone was home when George Floyd was murdered. Um, I personally have, I didn't watch the video. Um, I don't feel that need because I've, I've already seen many black bodies be murdered um I I don't I don't need to see it to believe it I've uh, I don't need to however for many people that needed to happen they needed to see someone be murdered by officers for no reason to believe what people have been saying for I don't so I guess in a weird way, thank you for uh, this to this pandemic for giving people the time to stop with their lives and to take a minute or be forced to have nothing better to do with their time um, and be on the computer and on the internet so much so that the world witnessed this. because we've been witnessing this for, (laughs) you know, it's been happening. So um, I'm glad the energy was different. Um, Not I'm glad, it's disgusting. It's disgusting that that's what it took for uh, BIPOC voices to be believed, to be listened to, to be heard. Um, that it took witnessing a murder 
for those voices to be heard and seen as or believed as legitimate. Uh, however, that's what it took. And I'm thankful that it happened or no, I'm not thankful that it happened. I'm thankful that we're at a point that our voices are now being heard to the extent that they are. And that for once, it seems like to some extent, the momentum is continuing and we haven't lost all of the white allies. Because often after a great injustice, you know, life goes back, we go back to, we go back to brunch. So for once, it feels like that hasn't happened. It feels like George Floyd is that awakening for a lot of people. Wouldn't it be nice if uh, our voices were just believed rather than someone having to be murdered to be believed? But yeah, here we are. So then there's me, who's got a lot of a lot of energy and a lot of things to say and a lot of hope. Um, I do because in my own personal life, I've seen people behave differently. I've had conversations with people I didn't think would happen. And I've heard things or things have been said to me that I didn't, I don't think I, I didn't think I would ever hear. Um, so I do, I do have hope. I do. Um, and I think that there is a want to learn. And I think that there is a genuine shift in energy where people are awake. They see it. They want things to be different. And I am a person with great patience and I, uh, I am willing to help people on that journey. I will also say that because of my biracial identity, uh, I have experienced a lot of racism from both sides, from both sides. Um, I have also experienced a lot of privilege where many people in my life have not. Um, and it's because of that privilege that I feel it is not my duty it's not my duty it's you know I've experienced just as much racism as I have privilege however I have the energy the capacity and I feel it is my honor to use my privilege this way um I have also grown up in or been in many white environments um where I've experienced and tolerated a lot a lot of racism I have forgiven so much. And so I do feel like I, on that end, 
am able to tolerate more <laughs> and uh, eh, tolerate is not the right word. I am able to have conversations where others might not have the patience anymore. I also think that because of my privilege, I will use that. And because of my patience, I will use that. I, I have spent a lot of time as an educator. And so this is right up my area of interest. And it's not outside of my one-time uh, professional goal. So here I am hoping to help people who are willing to become active allies, to use my experience as a racialized person who has experienced racism and my privilege and proximity to whiteness to help others who are willing and ready to help alleviate the burden and use their actual white privilege to change society. Because we are calling on you white people because the sad truth is nothing is going to change until white people mobilize and demand it. Because if the people in power, in positions of power would listen to us, that change would have happened already because it's not for lack of trying. We've, you know, it's not for lack of trying. We've been trying, we've been doing everything within our power and that's not happening. So the sad truth is it, it it's going to need white people to do that work. Um, it's, it, it'll, it, we need you. We do. Um, because the people in the positions of power don't actually care respect or want to listen to us in any meaningful way so it is on you white people to actually make that change um so I can help those white people who are willing to listen to me I I, I can help you I just can't I, I can't touch the ones with the real power so that's why I am here trying to reach the allies yo uh, okay, <laughs> so uh, this podcast is founded on three pillars, three pillars of pillars. I, I don't know. It's a buzzword, I think. I Whatever. The <laughs> building blocks. Mm. So the first one is obviously learning because education is power. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is key. The more we know, the better we can we can do in in this this fight for freedom. Um, God, I'm a dork. So one of the biggest things, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the biggest things we can do is learn from our past mistakes. Like, I, no one is free of mistakes we've all made mistakes like absolutely everyone has um when we're talking about race like absolutely uh, internalized racism is a huge thing 
for one, that's, that's one of the biggest tools to keep people oppressed is to uh, get them to believe terrible things about themselves, about each other, um, separate the communities, that infighting, powerful, powerful tool, keep the people divided. So absolutely, no one is without without sin. So that's the first thing, like, you can't come into this believing that you are without sin. We also need to come into this ready to learn the history we weren't taught. Because uh, that saying, history is written by the winners, absolutely true. Uh, or what, you know, I mean, winners depends how you want to define it. But yeah, history is written, written by the one, the, the conquerors, the, the colonialists. They whitewash it, they sugarcoat it, they make themselves look pretty. Um, so that's the first thing everyone's got to do. Like that is absolutely step one. If you haven't already started to learn the history you were not taught in school, you, you got to start right there. So for us in Canada, learn about the indigenous peoples in Canada, like the residential schools, for, for one, learn about the customs, cultures, the, the genocide, the cultural genocide, the atrocity. Like, there's so much. Like, where to begin? Um, th- that's, that's, you can start there. Then you can learn about the um, Asian hatred that the Canadian, the, the atrocities that Canada has committed against our um, Asian brother and sisters. Like, uh that not not free of that um not to mention the anti-black racism that runs so deep in this country so so deep that it's not like it's barely talked about it's barely talked about um it's one of the things that like you just kind of like let's pretend it's not happening oh god um the anti-Muslim movements, like, oh God, Canada is, I, yeah, all right, I don't, I, we'll save this for another episode, but Canada is atrocious. Um, so start learning about what we were not taught in school. Um, another thing that we're going to do is learn about different cultures because one great way to bring people together is to remove the fear of other um news is real the news is really great for doing that is like scaring people with the other like oh I, I there there were no words that just came out there but xenophobia is really really built into this country um you know it's like fear of people from other countries coming to take jobs when the reality is it's like no it's not people coming to take jobs it's cor- mass corporations sending jobs overseas because that's how they're gonna make more profit um I, I, I'm, I'm thinking mostly about uh like fashion and telemarketing and things like that because i i, I don't manufacturing 
is what I'm thinking. Uh, I don't know as much about other industries. So I can't, I can't speak to that. But there, there's this like weird misconception where, you know, you, you really, you scare people about people coming to take your jobs and people coming to bring in violence when it's like, no, no, most of the time it's refugees who are coming to escape violence. They're, they're coming to escape war zones and okay again we'll get into war and um you know north american involvement in uh other countries and how you know uh, very many times like north american governments or western governments go involve themselves destabilize a country and then they have to escape that country afterward. Okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. Other topics for another episode. Um, and of course, the two main things, the two main parts of the learning we're going to be doing is learning how to be anti-racist and learning how to be active allies, because that is absolutely what we are here for that is the main goal because uh, we in the BIPOC community are so, so tired, so tired. Um, yeah, so that's the learning component. Um, another big part of this is healing, you know, um, there is healing and sharing stories, speaking it out loud helps um, acknowledging the atrocities we've been through acknowledging that trauma getting those stories out there um not having to pretend that everything's okay speaking it out loud speaking it into the ether getting it out you know like Hagrid says it's better out it's always better out than in I say it's part of the healing process um you know hopefully this helps like heal some relationships helps people move forward um you know, and helping heal this this weird cultural divide. There's this, it, it just, it feels so much like there's like one side or the other or and this animosity and it doesn't have to be that way. It's, it's more, it's about bringing people together. Um, disagreement is healthy and it's learning how to coexist. Um, how to bring people together when you coexist and you know i'm happy to disagree with people as long as um disagreement doesn't infringe on my rights as a human being that that's where i draw the line like your opinion stops being an opinion when it it actively infringes on my existence like that's just how I see it um so I think that's what we're trying to to work towards is a, a way of living where we allow every person to live freely um every person is a person and every person deserves to be treated like a person that's some flight of the concords for my uh concords fans <laughs> Um, and then, you know, the last pillar is 
intersectionality because we can't talk about uh, race. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm black. However, we don't like when we talk about allyship, like, you know, yes, uh, me, biracial black woman. Uh, however, I consider myself or like I like to think that, um, you know, I would be a, an ally to, you know, my Asian friends. Um, that I would be an ally to the indigenous peoples of Canada. You know, I work very hard to educate myself and to find ways to help the other people who are part of the BIPOC community. Um, so, so we talk about intersectionality. So yeah, when I say beyond black, it's not just, I'm not just talking for about blackness. Um, you know, it goes beyond that. Um, it just, yeah, it's, 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 this is, this is a podcast for, for everyone, um, for all BIPOC and allies. Um, of course, <laughs> the more you unpack race, the more you come right back down to what I like to call the root of evil capitalism. Um, you know, so you, you can't talk about race without getting into capitalism. Um, yeah, yeah, again, you can't talk about race without getting into healthcare, into politics, travel, insurance, in the environment, colorism, ableism. Like you can't get into it without talking about feminism, homelessness, um, <laughs> fat phobia, media representation, education, wealth distribution, success. And I was going to say success, but um, housing. The other thing I really want to do is I also want to celebrate the joy and success in BIPOC community because, um, you know, our stories are not just all about suffering. Like, for so long, I was like, really? I was like, oh, cool. We got another, we got another movie about slavery or we got another movie about Black trauma. It's really, it's, it's, it's so great. Um, I really love seeing a lot of black suffering when I already I see so much black suffering um and I'm like it's you know I love it like I want to see I want to see more roles for or I, you know this was before I wanted to see more roles for black actors and more opportunities for black writers and producers and directors of course I also really wanted to see you know, more diversity of representation. Like I found for so long, I found it really hard to see myself particularly represented. Like I, like me, like a character that I personally related to because again, Black people are not a monolith. There are so there's so much variety to blackness. Like there's so much variety to blackness. There are so many personalities. Like I just, it, it, you know, like we are more than our suffering. Like there's so much joy, creativity, love. Like I, I wanted to see more of that and I'm happy that that's finally happening. Um, so yeah, like wanna celebrate the joy and the successes too not just 
not just the get into the the nitty gritty have some fun with this podcast too um so yeah now that we've discussed the three like founding pillars of beyond black the podcast um let's talk about what it means to be an ally because i mean hopefully you if you're listening to this you've already done this a little bit or you have an idea because there are many ways to be an ally of course there are however what i what my goal here is is to to get people to go from passive allyship into active allyship um I, like to get people to the point where it's a part of your life um you know living an anti-racist life and living an actively living as an active ally is something you have to do every day all the time it's 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 work it absolutely is work it's not it's not easy and yeah it can seem really really exhausting absolutely and um yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. I'm not gonna, not, I'm not gonna discount that. Like, yeah, it, it can be tiring. Um, so yeah, let's just, let's, let's just, you know, and, and I, I like to, okay, I like to say, I think one of the biggest things allies can do is listen. Um, and this is in your personal life, like with your friends also, you know, bigger, bigger stage like listen don't speak over don't um you might have an idea of something that you think might help in a situation like you might be with your friend and something happens and you're like oh I know how to handle this listen ask how can I support you um unless you really really know the person and you already have had these conversations, listening is so, so, so important. Um, asking, how can I support you right now? What do you need? Asking those questions. If the person says, I don't know, you take the lead, you take the lead. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we need someone to step in and just do for us. Let the person let the person, uh, the BIPOC, per, let them take the lead. Listen to their needs. Um, educate yourself. It's exhausting to constantly be a source of education. Not everyone is like me and enjoys educating. Um, some people don't have that patience. Some people are tired of it. And some people are just straight up like, it's not my job. And it's not. It really isn't. So educate yourself. Google. Just quick Google. Uh, Instagram. Type in hashtag whatever. Um, TikTok. TikTok is so, so great. There are so many people doing a lot of great work out there. Um, yeah. Educate others. That's a big one. Huge one. 
don't just educate yourself, educate your other, educate others. Like you find something cool, share it with five of your white friends. Just automatically share it with five of your white friends. Um, You find a funny educational one, make sure you share it with five of your white friends who are not open. (laughs) Because uh, humor is a great way to digest things that are harder or less palatable um, that people have a hard time taking in. Um, Keep educating others. Like, don't stop. Don't be like, oh, I, I gave a presentation in class today. I'm done. I did ally work. I'm finished. No, that's, that's not how it, it, no. It's not done. It's not, you're never, the thing is, is that you're never done. We are never done. Uh, We are not liberated. We do not have equality. We do not have equity. We are not on the same level as white people. Until all BIPOC are on the same level as white people, uh, we are not done. So you keep going. Don't stop. Um... Yeah, also you take on the racists in your life. Uh, You do not get to be like, I have a boundary. I don't deal with the racist uncle that I have. So then who's dealing with the racist uncle that you have? I can't deal with the racist uncle that you have. He's your racist uncle. Like, I don't mean like to the point where it becomes toxic and like, you you know, I mean... yes, have some, some, some kind of boundaries. What I mean is he's your uncle, you know him, you can speak to him on a certain level, or you know someone, maybe you can't get to your uncle, but maybe you can talk to your cousin. Your cousin's more approachable. You can find some kind of commonality, speak to him or your cousin, speak to them on terms, find, everyone has an in there is some argument you can make to them that that breaks in. And it's up to you to find what it is. Um, it could be, you know, it could be about the wealth inequality. Like, oh yeah, you hate Elon Musk. I hate Elon Musk too. Wow. Oh my God. You work for Amazon and you are, you're the conditions at your place of work are terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Like you find the in, find the in. Be like, oh my goodness, you have this job and I don't know. Find the in. And then once you find that in, you can say, you can, whatever the in is, you can be like, that is terrible. Now, once you found that in, be like, oh my gosh, it's all the points, all the points that they have, all the complaints that they have, and then relate it to the BIPOC community and find the commonalities and then relate it to, I guess what I'm trying to say is find the argument that appeals to them specifically. You're not going to get to them uh, by making general arguments that appeal to the mass audiences. You need to speak to them in their language. You need to find the arguments that speak to them specifically 
And it's not going to be a one and done deal. It's going to be repeated conversations. And oh man, it's going to be exhausting. It's going to be hard and it's going to be taxing. And you might not be able to get straight to the racist uncle. You might have to start with the racist uncle's like child and then the wife or the husband and then get to the racist uncle. It's hard work. And that's why I'm going to you because I'll never get to the racist uncle. The racist uncle's racist. He's big, he's capital R racist. Whereas the child might be a little R racist and you're you, I can get to you. You can get to little R racist and then they get to big R racist. That's the goal. I'll never get to big R racist. I, I can't, they're big R racist. That, and that's, that's, that's the point we're trying to make. Um, but you as the white person don't get to go, oh, it's too hard. I give up. That is the privilege we're speaking to. And nothing is going to change if every white person goes, it's too hard. I give up because, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, if, if all of us said that we'll, we'd still be slaves. So just saying, just saying. Let that sink in. Just kidding. That wasn't that big of a point. But my point is, you have nothing to lose. Keep going. So basically, the point is, we need white people to take on the challenging white folk. So I can, I can get the easy white folk like I can get the white folk who is like who are like I used to use the n-word in high school before I understood understood it was bad or I can get to someone who's like now in their adult life being like well I just really never thought of it now that we're talking about it I realize it's bad um I would like to begin my anti-racist journey now welcome to the welcome to the party I have no problem with that you're what 30 you just you just never thought of it you have a good heart you're you're ready you're open you you know how to you have empathy and you are like open to joining great your journey starts now welcome absolutely welcome um i don't need help reaching those people we don't need help reaching those people we need help reaching the ones who are like I just straight up don't give a damn. They're lazy and they just need to work harder. You, white people, you go, you go after them. Those are, that's your, that's your task. Um, you go after the horrible city councilors who are trying to increase the police budget in Ottawa right now. Th that's your task. I can't get to them. Okay. Thank you. Uh, speaking of that, yeah, you go after your city councilors. You go to, to the town halls. Like, I would really love to see a white person show up and talk to the city councilors and be like, you're being racist. Your policies are racist. <laughs> I would love that. I would love to see that happen because quite frankly, when you see, watch the town halls or whatever they're called, um, some of the city councilors just straight up like, they're not even looking at the person speaking to them. They're like taking notes or whatever. And then at the end, they just like say something condescending and then they go back to like writing notes. It's awful. It's awful. That's how they treat 
the BIPOC people who come to try and advocate for themselves. So I would love to see white people show up and advocate. I would love that. Actually, I would even more than that. I would love to, I would love to see white people from the suburbs come and be like, actually, I don't, I don't actually want you to increase this police budget. Um, there are other ways to stop speeding than having than increasing the police budget. Thank you. You're being racist. Thank you. <laughs> I would love to see that. So white people. Hello? White people. White people. Show up. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's my other thing is white people. <laughs> Hi. Show up. Um, take some time out of your day and uh, come to town halls because there's lots of BIPOC representation at the town hall meetings. There's lots of BIPOC representation at protests. There's lots of BIPOC representation all the time. And, you know, there's been more white folk than ever. So I'd like to see that momentum continue. I want to see that keep going. So yeah, um, about showing up, you know, uh, it's better that white folks show up imperfect than not show up at all. And I'll come back, I'll circle back to that point. But it, it's really, it's, it, it's time for white people to start demanding the change because the sad fact is uh, if white people don't do it, nothing's going to change. Um, you know, it just, it is. Um, we want you to become the thorn in their sides. You become the annoying people. You become the ones in the office who are like, um, excuse me, that's not how you do it. Um, excuse me, that's a microaggression. Like actually, yeah, white people start calling, first of all, first of all, <laughs> white people learn about microaggressions. Um, one, they're not harmless. Absolutely not. Um, in fact, there are studies that show that microaggressions are just as harmful as macroaggressions. I personally would like to say from my own experience, um, I actually find microaggressions worse. Okay. No, general statement. Uh, the prolonged effect of my microaggressions um, upholds the internalized racism. Learn about microaggressions, call them out. First of all, call them out in yourself. That's part of the work you need to do to remove the internalized racism within yourself. And then start calling them out when you see them. And you don't have to do it publicly to be like, oh my God, you're doing a microaggression right now. You can go talk to the person after. Be like, excuse me, that's like not an appropriate thing to smart. Um, start doing that. M microaggressions fucking suck. They're horrible. So start start doing that. Call them out. Um, speak out in the office. Speak out in your environment. Call your friends out when they're doing them. Yes, do it. Absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Ah, you know what? I'm actually, I'm, no. M microaggressions. Uh -uh. 
I also hate calling them microaggressions because to me, they're just, they're just aggressions. Like they're just aggressions. Um, the impact of them is just as severe. Uh, and I, okay, I'm getting a little heated. Calm yourself, girl, bring it back down. Back to your list when someone, okay. So we, as I said before, we will all make mistakes. We will all at some point get called out, told you did something wrong, told you said something wrong. It's going to happen. Um, when this happens, the most important thing to do, don't get defensive. It's going to be so hard because it's going to challenge your perception of yourself. Um, it's going to challenge how you view yourself. You think of yourself as an ally. It's going to be hard. It absolutely is. Um, the most important thing to do, do not get defensive. Don't fight it. Take it in. Hear it. Think of it as a learning opportunity and think of it as for your growth. Um, you apologize. That's it. That's it. You doesn't matter how much learning, how much reading you've done, your opinion of yourself, your view of yourself as an ally, all the learning you've done does not, it never ever trumps a person within the BIPOC community's lived experience ever. You are the ally. You do not lead the conversation. You do not lead. It's it. That's just not how it works. So when this happens, and it will happen, it absolutely will happen. Be gracious. Be understanding. Be empathetic. Know that it. It. It's. It's going to be hard. Um, try and separate. This is for yourself. This is for you. And this is my advice to you. Know that it's it's not a judgment of you or your morals or your value as a person. It's your action, your words. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person. That doesn't mean they view you as a bad person. It means you made a mistake. Um, it means you did something wrong. And when you make a mistake, when you do something wrong, you apologize. Um, if you don't understand, you don't get it, you can ask for clarification. You can ask for, you can try to ask for, understand, like to figure, ask for them to explain it. They may or may not be willing and that's okay. You can try and figure it out somewhere else. Again, it's not their responsibility. They don't owe that to you. That's another gift if they're willing to have that conversation with you to explain it to you. Hopefully you have someone else in your life who could try and help you out with it. Um, they don't owe it to you. All you can do is apologize and move on. Try and learn from it. Be kind to yourself too. Remember that you, you weren't trying to hurt someone and it's not a judgment on you as a person. However, you did make a mistake. So own up to it. 
apologize. Don't fight it. Don't argue it. Don't get defensive. You will escalate the situation. You are in the wrong. Remember that, that as an ally, your goal is to alleviate burden on the BIPOC community, not to add to it. That is my advice. If you make a mistake, if someone calls you out and it will happen, it absolutely will happen. Um, that's all you can do and know that it doesn't. Yeah. Also, yeah, that's it. That, that's all I can say. Um, along that line, do not tone police. Um, how that is, how that calling out is done to you. You don't know what you're triggering, what trauma you are triggering in that person with the mistake you're making. You do not get to police in this. Uh, you, you, you do not get to control. You do not get to ask for it to be presented to you in a nicer way. If you are truly an ally um, and you've made a mistake, you will remember that as much as it sucks to be called out or to feel attacked or to feel like, um, you, you know, whatever it is that you're going through in that moment, nothing that you are experiencing will compare to the trauma that you have, you may have triggered in that person. And so as hard as it's going to be, just remember Don't escalate it, apologize, try and understand, try and be empathetic, ask questions, seek to understand, listen to understand, don't listen to respond. If you're not understanding what's going on, ask them to explain it. And if they don't want to, they don't owe it to you. No one owes you that in this conversation. Mm -mm. Um, some other things to remember um, depending on where you are in this journey, um, signing petitions is great. Keep doing it. Don't stop. Don't ever stop doing it. However, at some point it's got to move beyond that. Um, you got to move to the active point. Signing petitions is always great. Never, never, never stop. However, you got to move to the active, active phase of allyship. Um, Again, you will make mistakes, that's okay. Everyone's going to make mistakes in this, everyone will. Showing up imperfect is better than not showing up at all. Um, that, we need people to show up. We need you to keep showing up. And remember that if people in the BIPOC community don't have time for you, they don't wanna be patient with you, they don't wanna help you, they don't wanna teach you, it's because they're exhausted. To them, you're showing up too late. For me, I want you to show up. For some of us, we want you to show up. For a lot of us, we're happy you're coming to the party. You're not invited to the cookout yet. You got to earn that. <laughs> but we're happy you're showing up. And I am a person that is doing this work to help you show up. 
that doesn't mean that my time is your time. I have boundaries. This podcast is for you to learn. This is for me. This is my gift to you to help you learn. It's a lot of work. Remember that. This is a lot of work. This is me going above and beyond to give you that work. I don't have to do this. No one owes you this. No one owes you this. In fact, a lot of people in the BIPOC community think that us, anyone doing this is wasting their time because they're so jaded and exhausted of doing all the work themselves for years and asking for people to show up and no one's showing up. So that's another thing allies need to understand is that this fight has been going on for centuries. This struggle has been going on for centuries. People have been asking for allies to show up for centuries. So when we talk about generational trauma, when we talk about, you know, people will say, well, I wasn't alive during that time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The effects on the BIPOC community have trickled down over centuries. So again, that's another form of white privilege where you don't feel the effects from centuries ago. So when we say this has been going on for centuries, we've been asking for white allies to show up for centuries. We are burnt out from centuries. It's the trickle down effects. It's the trickle down effects from policies put in place centuries ago. It's the trickle down effects from slavery. It's the trickle down effects from uh, like the generational tra- like trauma from what people have experienced, the way they've raised their children, the way the abuse, the cycles of abuse have been passed down. It's everything. The lack of wealth distribution, the lack of wealth being passed down for generations, whereas in white families, that hasn't been the same. The stability of wealth being passed down, it's things like that. So if people are exhausted and don't want to have the time, don't have the time for you, don't be offended. Don't. Just do you keep doing your thing. Keep showing up. Showing up imperfect is better than not showing up at all. Um, <sighs> yeah. Um, I, I've already said this, however, I'm going to reiterate it. Um, It doesn't matter how much you've researched, how much you've read, you do not know more. And whatever you have read, whatever you have, whatever knowledge you've absorbed um, does does not hold more weight or more value than the lived experiences of the BIPOC community. Um, we are the ones leading the charge. You are supporters. Um, and your position is very valuable. Absolutely. Do not, do not uh, misunderstand that because quite frankly, <laughs> we need you to do your thing because um, other white people only listen to you. So remember that. Um, 
the point is to alleviate the burden that we've been living with. Um, the point is for you to take that on. The point is for you to, uh, the point is for you to move this fight forward faster because it's not, it's not going to go anywhere until white people understand that white people hold the power to change it. Um, white people listen to white people is what it is. It's what it's come down to. Um, so until white people, I guess, get their shit together and start doing something about it, there's only so much that's going to change. Um, and quite frankly, in my memory, this is the most I've seen white people show up. So thank you. Uh, don't stop. We can't stop. We got to keep going. <laughs> we got to keep going. So uh, thank you to those of you that are showing up. Don't stop. Uh, keep going and get your other white friends to join um, and then get their white friends to join. And uh, then like all of y'all do your little, I don't know, do you have like, is there like a white network that y'all can, I don't know, like some kind of like secret white network or something that you can just like invade or whatever. <laughs> whatever it is, I don't know. But thank you, so it's cool, it's whatever, so yeah. Um, white people, thank you for showing up and coming on this journey to act in allyship. So yeah, I guess this episode was like really geared toward talking to white people to get you to start to mobilize y'all. I know. So thanks for joining me today on the first episode of Beyond the Black and, uh, I hope y'all are ready to get out there and go do some work. So, bye! For more content and to stay in touch, follow us at Beyond Black Pod on Instagram or email us at beyondblackpod at gmail.com. Beyond Black is created, hosted, and written by Emma Mitchell and produced by Jacob Mitchell. Intro and outro themes were mixed by Jacob Mitchell with outro music provided by Butter Music and Sound. Please rate, review, subscribe, share us with a friend, and let's do some work.